I feel like if people are going to like look back and try to assess <laughs> the mental health of people during the time of quarantine 2020, I, <clears throat> I think that someone might find some interesting, uh, you know, take issue with that. I milked a cat this year. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and lay out the structure right now for this episode. This is going to be, oh, okay. we're going to touch a little bit on how we got, how we achieved our happy place during the holiday season. Um, and then we're going to lay out, oh God, I almost threw up in my mouth. New Year's resolutions. <laughs> um, you know what my resolution last year was? To not have a fucking pandemic. <laughs> so that didn't wow. go well did it <laughs> boy Liz you really failed on that one <laughs> I know this morning in quarantine you know I have to pet my cat a hundred times and make my coffee oh know. man that sounds so stressful but you just it have is. the one cat you just have the one cat Liz like <laughs> you should be at my house I have to wake up and pet five cats oh god the, the toils the toils of quarantine living so. good morning Elizabeth Bonjour, ma... Fuck, what's a French word for sister? What? What is that? No, no, spell that. What is that? I think it's (laughs) S-O-E-U-R. No, that's not... That's not okay. (laughs) I don't... Fine. Bonjour, uh, monsieur. It sounds like monsieur, but it's monsieur. Oh, fuck. No, fuck that. That is not okay. <laughs> that is not okay. Okay, I tried to be fancy. All right, you could also, it sounds actually really nice because it's bonjour, monsieur. You know, no, it's, it's like, it it's beautiful, but it's like, it's beautiful, but it's it's not okay for those of us who try to learn French and fail miserably all the time. The thing about French is it's much easier to read it, to understand it when you read it, because you can see words. But when you're trying to listen to it or speak it, it's like none of the words sound the way that they are written. So you you just, you only, it's all grunts. Everything in French Uh, is a beautiful grunt. It's not like monsieur or la ballette, which is how it's spelled. It would be la ballette. So speaking of the ballet, a ballet, uh, mm-hmm. I hardcore get deep into the Nutcracker during the Christmas season. Like I can't. Every Christmas, I watch like five versions of the Nutcracker. Oh my god! And then I, you know, if I ever see a version where I'm like, this is not up to my standards, like I'm like, no. So mostly it's just like the Bolshoi Ballet, the American Ballet Theater. There are a lot of really wonderful ballet schools around. But every year, I feel like part of my New Year's, New Year's resolution is just like, I think I want to be 
a ballerina. Like, I really <laughs> think, I really think, yeah, that's, that seems right. Like every year I'm always like, I'm going to do like adult ballet. Okay. I have taken ballet classes. I took ballet classes as a youth. I really got into ballet when I was in college. Um, I was the biggest and the tallest in the entire class. Uh, every Every time, every single, there's not one person taller than me. I was the tallest of all ballerinas. And I got up to ballet three in college, you know, and there were only like, it was, that was, you know, it was like intermediate-ishness. I think you just want to be whatever is the most impossible thing for you to be. Like, I remember before you hit puberty, you really wanted to be a jockey and ride on a horse. Uh, and yeah, I really wanted to be a jockey. Then you had a growth spurt and you grew to be six feet tall. <laughs> I also think I wanted to be a gymnast. And yeah. I don't know. Moves. I don't know so much about modern gymnastics, but as far as I ever, well, when I was growing up and I would watch a lot of gymnastics, like it was a huge deal that there was a gymnast who was five, seven, like that was huge. Like she was giant <laughs> and I'm, you know, like basically six feet. Well, why and, can't I? Yeah. Because it's a, it's a height to weight ratio kind of a thing. And it's, it's really quite, it's like being, um, being a, a, a rock climber and, or doing fucking American Ninja Warrior. Now I, I would love for someone to prove me wrong and be like, I'm um, actually, but from what I've seen, you do not get any very, very, very successful American Ninja Warrior females who are, who are over, I'd say like five, seven is the absolute tallest. Mm -hmm. And they all, all the women have backgrounds in like gymnastics who do really, really, really well. Cause it's a height to weight ratio and there's so much upper body strength needed. If you're a tall person and you do not have, tr you do not hold your strength in your upper body as, as well, like compared to men, it's just not, it don't make sense. None. You're going <laughs> to fall off that American Ninja warrior obstacle. Well, I want to know why they can't do with ball with ballet and gymnastics what they do with like wrestling and stuff. Like there should be a medium weight or like a height That's stupid category. Can you imagine it's like medium weight ballet and lightweight ballet. It's like <laughs> that sounds really stupid. I mean, no offense to your brilliant idea, but that sounds stupid. I um, want to see some six foot tall, curvy ballerinas. Okay. Okay. I like, know that there are, I know because I've looked into it, it's really hard to find, but I know there mm -hmm. are some tall ballerinas, but um, the problem with, okay. With ballet, there's so much partnering involved, a pas de deux, yeah. right? Uh, so much partnering involved. The woman has to be as little and light as possible so that her man can lift her. Well, why don't you just get these big bodybuilding men to also be in ballet? Because <laughs> they're usually so. not, because those big bodybuilding men usually, you know, they're not the, um, usually, I mean, I guess it depends. I don't know. You're right. You know what? I'm taking over the ballet world. This is it, everyone. Everyone, you you can't be a ballerina if you're, if you're under 5'10". Sorry. And you can't be a male ballet dancer a ballerino unless you're unless you at least can um press me over your head so it's like all these bodybuilders suddenly become ballerinas male ballerinas that would so be amazing can, well I was I watching see this <laughs> I was watching the Nutcracker and so picture this for in your happy place I just gotta say 
I like Andrew walked over, my fiance walked over and basically I was on the bed. I had my cat who was snuggly with me, leaning on me. I was watching, I had the Nutcracker on the TV, you know, real good version, like a European (laughs) or some shit. And, uh, I had like my American girl Christmas books out. If anyone loves American girl, like I love American girl and they have the, like the Christmas, the Christmas books. And I just had that all over. Plus I had, I think like coffee in my hand or something. <laughs> and Andrew just walks over and he's like, oh, this is just like Elizabeth's happy land or whatever. Yes. I don't know if you're aware, if you're up to date on your um, fad workouts, <laughs> but I'm not exactly sure when it got initiated, but I started seeing this this bar thing come up, you know, like the bar method. Bar class. Yeah, I take yes. bar class. Oh, God. Okay. I mean, no, it's wonderful. I want to take way, bar class Hold on, too. hold on. I got to tell you this. My <laughs> bar teacher is friends with me on Facebook and she saw your um, your live recording of you singing mm-hmm. and she complimented you and told me like how impressed she was with your singing. So I just Aww. want to say that before you say anything. No, about I love. Now, go on. Go on. Tell me what you <laughs> no, think that's so bar. Sweet. No. Okay. I love, I love bar and I want to take bar class. Um, I don't know. I have to check out the, well, first of all, I'm not, not doing that in quarantine, but in LA, I really wanted to take bar class, but it was like insanely expensive. Yeah. So I just ended up not, um, I want to take bar class. So mostly it's just jealousy right now. Basically, you know, it's adult ballet. It's like everyone who ever wanted to be a ballerina, you get to like do your bar class. And it's so, it's like really good exercise and it's awesome. And I love it. But I just thought that was funny because I'm like, oh, I like how they had to rebrand it. Like, I can't just be adult ballet. I love the Nutcracker and I want to be a six foot tall ballerina. It has to be like, oh, bar class to get in shape. And I'm like, everyone just wants a fucking tutu. Give them a tutu. You know they want it. I have to tell you, Liz, I do not want a tutu. Those things are not flattering. They are not flattering to my figure. There are a lot of little cute little dressy things that I would like to put on. A tutu (laughs) is not one of them. Fine. Be that way. Don't be fun and exciting. Uh, So yeah, the Nutcracker, that was my, that's what I really, this is how I found my happy place during Christmas. I watched the Nutcracker a lot. I made Christmas crafts, like Victorian Christmas crafts. I put a bow on my cat <laughs> and I listened to Little Women on um, as an audiobook, which is wonderful. Mm. And then I watched like the new version of Little Women, which I have a real problem with, but I won't go into that <laughs> much. And that's how I found my happy place this holiday season. How did you find your happy place, Trisha? Yeah, I think this holiday season was really interesting. It was really stressful in so many ways. And I think... Like when we lived in LA, it's just the city did all the Christmasing for me. Like I could, I could get away with not decorating the house for a long time. And I'd go out to downtown Culver city and they'd put up a tree and there'd be decorations everywhere. And I could just go to Starbucks and immediately be in holiday land, listening to holiday music and smelling holiday smells and like just drinking eggnog latte. And I was like, look, I am Christmasing while I'm at work. Um, And in Costa Rica, like there's, it's so funny because there's actually more Christmas stuff earlier on. So like at Halloween, they start putting out the Christmas decorations and you go into the grocery store. That's how it is in America too. Yeah, no, it's, 
it is noticeably a longer stretch of Christmas in here. Like really before Halloween, the Christmas decorations come up. The Christmas decorations come out the same time as the Halloween decorations. You see these big red bows next to like, I don't know, vampire teeth with fake blood. It's a Catholic country. They're very big into Christmas here. And I shit you not, in October, I'm hearing Christmas carols in the grocery store. It's like that sounds about right. This country is like celebrating the nightmare before Christmas all through October. It's just a mixture of Halloween and Christmas. It's just like Santa Claus with bangs for all of October. I think that sounds like heaven. <laughs> Halloween and Christmas are my two favorite holidays, like I'm sure many other people. Um, you just can't get enough. You just can't get it because it's a little bit of joy, a little bit of horror, you know? You know what I think we should do? We should just combine the two holidays and just make it the nightmare before Christmas is sometime in the middle of November where we celebrate the birth of um, Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> Who did that? Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Yeah, it would be the holiday where we celebrate the birth of Tim Burton and we just have the nightmare before Christmas as an extra holiday that combines. Oh, that just Halloween. sounds so hipster. <laughs> It's for those of us who don't have enough time to celebrate three holidays in three months. So we're just going to combine them all into one big holiday. I wish we could just celebrate the holiday of Halloween and Christmas, like for at least six months out of the year. God. That'd be perfect <laughs> for me. And what do we, what do we have to look forward to now? New Year's Eve. Ugh. I don't you care know, about that. The thing. <laughs> okay. So going back, well, like, except for, you know, uh, January 20th, I gotta say. Yeah. This, yeah, that's its own holiday. That's, um, yeah. This Christmas, because I wasn't going to get to do most of my normal Christmas things, I kind of, I think, overcompensated. Also, I've had a lot more downtime this year. So it was like December 1st, I started listening to Christmas music and I just put strings of lights on everything and then I made all of these holiday crafts in order to keep busy and also because I didn't want to um like waste money going out and buying Christmas decorations that I might have to throw out next year if and when we move back home back to the United States so it's like I just made all of the Christmas decorations and that was the way that I celebrated the holiday this year it was just like listening to murder podcasts while also sticking cloves and oranges and covering everything in cinnamon. You want to hear the, the new things that I added pumpkin pie spice to this year? I guess I have to. Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, my favorite one, I think, is I added pumpkin pie spice and pumpkin to rum with pineapple juice to make a cocktail. This is not my own invention. I found this online when I Googled, like, what can I add pumpkin pie spice to or something like that. But that was like the perfect holiday cocktail for the tropics. And it tastes so good. And it tastes like a tropical Christmas in a glass. And definitely my favorite thing to drink this holiday season. Okay, and the other one that was definitely my favorite thing this year, one of my favorite things, I made rum, raisin, pumpkin, rum balls, and then I 
covered them in melted chocolate and put them in the freezer and let them freeze. So it was like on the outside is a hardened chocolate shell and then you bite into mm. it and it's just pumpkin and rum raisin. That sounds and, pretty intense. Uh, it was so, it was the most complicated thing I made this year, but it was so worth it. And then I also mixed in protein powder into the center of them. So really they're just a healthy breakfast food. <laughs> And then I done made I made a turduncan. I got I got uh, bacon fat and some bacon and duck and turkey and some ground beef. And then I added in some protein powder, you know, just in case. <laughs> extra healthy this season. I love it. Why? Why? Okay, I really have trouble getting into my protein powder. I really do. I'm like I hate how this ruins the texture of my thing. So I like don't add it to things. What kind of protein powder do you use? The same that you use. And oh, we shouldn't say what it is because I mean you love it. No, I it. don't think I don't think we're using the same because I live here now. I just get whey protein. Oh, I don't need more more dairy in my life. I have an abundance of dairy coming out of me at all times. <laughs> I am dairy full. I am Wait, you, a dairy made. Wait, you mean you have? Dairy no, I couldn't. Coming. I couldn't have dairy coming out of me because dairy is specific to cows. What's human milk called? I don't know. I mean, sorry, Breast not you. Milk. I. Why do you have dairy coming out of you? I think you nipple juice. Dairy. Nipple juice. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> Although hey, that's say, offensive to people who produce nipple juice. This year, I actually milked a cat. Oh, God. Why? <laughs> Why? I just, I feel like if people are going to, like, look back and try to assess... <laughs> The mental health of people during the time of quarantine 2020, I I think that someone might take issue with that. I milked a cat this year. <laughs> you know, of all the things that happened in 2020, I think one that is not the weirdest thing that Was the cat willing year. to be milked? Yes. So here's the deal. We have a mom and cat who lives in the lot next to us. And this year she had two batches of kittens in Aww. one year. And um, and she was nursing her kittens and she just has this belly full of milk and the kittens would go over and nurse on her. And then if I got close to them, they would detach from her nipples and go running away because they were afraid of me. So one day she was just stretched out there with her belly full of milk and I was petting her and I got curious and I just squeezed a little bit on one of her nipples until some milk came out. You really need a hobby. <laughs> you really need some. I just want to see if I can milk a cat. You know, I remember that movie, uh, Meet the Parents, and they're talking about, you know, milking cats. And I figure, you know, I I mean, no time like the present to milk one. Look, I'm going to tell you this. There is, there are some really weird taboos around food like so like many don't eat cat milk if you're a human well, but listen, you can eat cow you can eat cow milk yeah I you know can like eat, you can drink why, <laughs> why is drinking cat milk any different from drinking cow milk as I look at my cat I feel like she can hear this conversation she's just <laughs> like she's like looking like I am so annoyed and confused at the same time. <laughs> I think because 
you know, cats don't produce in great quantities too. So in order to actually process and distribute cat milk, you need a lot of cats. You need a lot of cats. I mean, just thinking of it from a pure logical business standpoint, you would need like at least 20 cats to equal like a quarter of a cow. <laughs> but but by that logic then why don't we milk whales because whales are huge and they produce huge quantities of milk we should all be drinking whale what milk. does whale milk taste like it probably tastes like kelp which is why we probably oh. don't drink it but I don't know the answer to that and also how did we get on this topic well, we were talking about our happy place during uh, Christmas, during, during you know what the I mean? holiday season. You know what and I we did? Say? We both did Zoom Hanukkah. That's true. Not with each other, though. Well, not with each other, but with my half Jewish man and your full Jewish man. <laughs> with their families, we did Zoom Hanukkah. Maybe when we get older and we're all living in the same place again or near the same place together, like. Andrew and Alan can get together and do Hanukkah together and we can just all Andrew celebrate did. Hanukkah together. Andrew did say as he grows older, he's like, as an adult, I really prefer Hanukkah over Christmas. And I'm like, now having celebrated Hanukkah, like in person last year, I was like, this is pretty fucking great. It's a great it's holiday. Pretty, it's pretty freaking great. And we sang and we danced. Yeah, I like it. Andrew danced and sang. Well, I thought Andrew's whole motto was, I am an appell, I don't sing. <laughs> well, that's going to change when we get married. Uh, it's going to be basically, it's going to be, I mean, just think like it's the, it's really the premise of um, the Sound of Music, right? What was the premise of Sound of Music? Well, you know, Maria Von Trapp done came in. And Captain Von Trapp was like, ew, we're not singing. And she's like, oh, really, bitch? Because I think we are. No, a deer, a female deer. Yeah. yeah but you know the real story is kind of the opposite. Like, yeah, no, actually, but, but like the, the real story, and Hammerstein story. <laughs> that's true. But the real story is actually a lot more, like Maria Von Trapp, I think, was a lot more like you. She was like super anal retentive and disciplined. She's all like, no, you are off key. Into your room. out of tune you're out of tune wait i gotta see what maria von trapp's zodiac was i have this thing now i'm really looking into every zodiac sign of people i really like or dislike mm -hmm. so um you know it's really uh it's really enlightening i'll say she Paper. was an aquarius apparently hmm. i don't know enough about aquarians to have opinions <laughs> what was what was her rising sign I don't know. Jesus. What was her moon sign? You I like how I typed in I type I typed in Maria von Trapp Zodiac and it was like Zodiac Killer. I was like, I don't think Maria von Trapp was a, was a Zodiac Killer. Just I mean, I get no. Wait, time wise, wait. No, she was long, <laughs> long dead and living in Vermont. Yeah, I think. Anyways, haha, ha, you don't know. know things. I don't actually no, right? No, she wouldn't have been dead. When did she die? I don't know, but this is pretty fucking important. No, because she was like 20 or 30 at least during World War II. Let's see. She died in 1987, which is after the Zodiac Killer went on. You know, they had their thing. Well, there you go. Maria Von Trapp, definitely Zodiac, Zodiac Killer. Killer. 
<laughs> so yeah, I bring music and dancing into, I do ballet in my underwear every morning in the kitchen when I make coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to explain how I got into my happy place this morning. Wait, wait, but I didn't even get to answer my question about Christmas. I want to talk about my Christmas. You did. You talked about milk and cats. There you go. That's your (laughs) Christmas happiness. That was not my Christmas. And then we Zoomed with mom and dad and watched episodes of Frasier, Christmas episodes, which was really sweet. You know what I was... I was actually surprised at how well this Christmas turned out. Like, here's the thing. Leading up to Christmas... I kept thinking about how much I missed my family and going home and like my normal Christmas. And so I would be in the grocery store just listening, you know, like I'd go to the grocery store and be standing in the checkout line and listening to Christmas carols. And then I would just want to start bawling in the middle of the grocery store because I'm like, it's Christmas and I'm not at home and my Christmas is gone. So... I was actually really surprised that Christmas itself turned out to be pretty sweet. Like it was pretty fun, even though it was very, very different from the normal Christmas. In some ways, actually, yeah. it was so much more just relaxing and God, It was, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yes. I think we might need to do some quarantine Christmas moving forward. Yeah, from here on, let's just all Zoom with each other for Christmas. Like, Ugh. no cleaning the house. You don't have to cook for 100 people. Oh, that's the other big thing I realized from this quarantine Christmas is, like, how easy it is to make a whole traditional Christmas dinner if you're only making it for two people. Oh, yeah. And I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat turkey. So I usually have, like, a big portobello mushroom and some green beans Pot Just like the in the time of day. Dickens and a rich, hey there, lad, do you know the great portobello mushroom that's hanging at the butcher? <laughs> oh, the one as big as me. That's a good lad. Go get the portobello mushroom and bring it to the crotchets. <laughs> Go get the biggest nut loaf you can find. <laughs> get a giant Christmas tofu. Um, oh, God. I mean, no, like portobello mushrooms are really good. No, I love portobello mushrooms. The goal was to make it as simple as possible. So I just put all the vegetables in the crock pot with some butter and nothing else like butter, maybe a little salt. And then after three or four hours of them all cooking to perfection, I made some, uh, some mushroom gravy. And I got out a can of cranberry sauce and I just put the mushroom gravy on top of the potatoes and the portobello mushroom and the green beans and dished out some cranberry sauce and put some butter and sugar on the sweet potato. And I'm like, this is this is a full traditional Christmas meal that took me like 20 minutes to make total because yeah. I was just making it for two people. It'll be interesting to see. I feel like it will be one of two things that will happen next year overall. Mm-hmm. Gen- Generic, generically, generally, generally, <laughs> generically. It's either going to be next Christmas. People are going to be like, you know what? It was actually pretty relaxing. It was depressing a little bit, but it was pretty relaxing last Christmas. Let's keep with that a little bit. Or it's going to be all like, oh my God, we're not in quarantine. Full blown, all out Christmas. Yeah, I will prefer, I don't know. I could go Maybe a mixture. way. I could go I decorated either. like crazy the house, except for we didn't do a Christmas tree this year. 
I know you Andrew just put a is, bell on a cat. And it was a it was a red bow. <laughs> and Andrew, I feel like is still harboring ill will towards me because we didn't have a tree. He wanted the tree. Oh yeah, the bad Jew. Um, <laughs> like really, he has a tree every year. Yeah, he likes a tree. Well, he's That's you know they they grew up celebrating Christmas. Okay, because you know his mom is um what do you call? Do you say goy? Goy? What are they <laughs> she, called? Goy. It is a goy. Okay. Yeah. Boyish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, is our podcast just about food now? Yeah, pretty much. You okay, know, you made fun of me for milking our cat, but you turned your cat into a Christmas tree. She was just like a Christmas. No, I referred to her for a month as a Christmas kitten. Oh, and she is the cutest Christmas kitten. They're Santa ever Claus. We're just were. a big cat. Ugh. And come down my chimney and I'll pet the <laughs> fuck out of that cat. So, okay, now past Christmas, I started thinking like, okay, how do I decorate? How do I keep the merriment alive since there's still all the rest of winter to go? It pretty much just yeah. turned officially winter now. And so I took down all the very obvious Christmas decorations and I left up all like the winter decorations. So I left mm. up the wreath that just is like, pine needles and pine cones and I left up like my orange and cranberry garland and I left up like the fake holly and holly berries and stuff I left all that up because I'm like it's bringing color and greenery and red into you know into the home which is the point of the winter season you know for decorating I think this yeah this is just about the holidays this this episode is just about the holidays and I do think it should be somewhat about you know, the post-Christmas blues, the post-holiday blues Yes, that people get. So how to stay or how to create a new happy place post-Christmas, post-Hanukkah, post-whatever you're doing, it, it can be really difficult. So it like really I said, is. It really is because you're like, I want to take down, I mean, last year after Christmas, I, I, the day after I stripped the entire house of anything Christmas related because it was, you know, I lived in LA and things were still like, you know, like not so wintry looking outside right here, you know, they're pretty wintry. So like I said, I left up all the non-obvious Christmas decorations that are really, that are really just winter decorations basically. And then- Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, so it's, I think often there's like this pressure past Christmas and past New Year's where it's like, okay, now I got to like not, in, not have joy anymore because that's <laughs> already done. I really, I do think it's like balls to the walls, Christmas, we drink, we eat, we just like, woo. And then afterward it's like, okay, now the new year. And there's like this pressure to be very strict with yourself. Yes, and be like, totally. now I'm just going to achieve all my goals in one month. And like, no. So yesterday I was like, okay, Christmas is over, but um, I wanted to make an apple pie because I wanted to make, I still wanted to make, I got to brag a little because it did <laughs> not have a soggy bottom, which is mm. the scariest thing with your pie, especially a fruit pie, which is very hard to achieve because fruit pies have a lot of juice in them. Yes. Obviously. So I created my happy place this morning. I have my warm cider candle lit. I am really getting into YouTube ambiance, ambient, like 
thing. So I have now every morning, like I'll pretty much sit at the table and I like to put on YouTube like an ambient coffee shop. It's like a coffee shop with the noises and like the little jazz coffee shop music. So you kind of feel like you're in a coffee shop. You're just at your kitchen table in your underwear. <laughs> and I'm just like, basically, I just want to say there's like still warm fuzzies to be had even after Christmas. You can still be oh, yeah. warm, fuzzy and cuddly or in Costa Rica case, you can still drink your rum. Oh, yeah. You know what was so funny going to, um, like, Christmas in Costa Rica? We we went to the beach, and it's like all the families are out at the beach in the water. I'm like, oh, this is what Christmas is in Costa Rica. You get together with your family, you go to the beach, and you go for a swim. Like, it's a very different experience from, from what you're used to. But also, as a person who loves the beach, I'm like, right on, right on. That was interesting. I'm like, yeah, maybe that's if we're still here next year, I'm going to fully embrace it. I'm just going to be all like, I'm going to have my beach tacos. I'm going to have like my Christmas tacos, my Christmas paddleboard, my Christmas colored swimsuit. Okay, I want to call you out right now. Have you ever been paddleboarding? I'm going to switch it from jingle bells to like surfing board, surfing board, surfing board, surfing all the way. That was... That was not cool. That like <laughs> took the level of coolness and it brought it down about 50. Um, I totally agree. Actually, I feel like this year, especially I have the biggest Christmas hangover because I spent so much time and energy really trying to decorate and make Christmas happen in spite of the fact that we were in quarantine so like the day after Christmas, I'm just like person who had just come out of a, I don't know, a Christmas like coma where I'm just like, where, where am I? What is, what is real life? I thought my entire existence was about making peanut butter, chocolate pretzels and, and mm. covering things in lights. What am I supposed to do now with my life? I think that's part of why leftovers are so important and there's that whole week between Christmas and New Year's where you can just like clean up the mess of Christmas like drag the body of Christmas out of the house and it's so fucking dark <laughs> Jesus you can just eat all the leftovers and start playing with your new toys and start taking the decorations down or at least like transitioning them from Christmas decorations to New Year's decorations and or just generic winter decorations depending on where you're at. Yeah, exactly. But I think that kind of place between Christmas and New Year's is really important for sort of just transitioning out of this one big project into another project so and I'm I'm glad actually that New Year's comes so close after Christmas because it's like if you have those Christmas blues like oh that holiday's over like New Year's kind of allows you to start thinking about what you're going to do next and it can it can be a very positive experience it can be but it also can be a very <laughs> shaming and harsh experience and I feel like I feel like there's so much pressure for people to just be like, okay, new year, new me. And yeah. I'm like, you know, try to be more gentle with yourself. I just think, I think that's like the new year's resolution 
Let's all remember what happened in 2019. Let's all remember our 2020 New Year's resolutions. Let's remember what the fuck happened. So maybe, maybe I'm just saying, don't get too grand. Be, be, um, be kind, be gentle with yourself and don't get too hardcore pressury on your news resolutions because you well, never I know you, i want to ask you a question actually like do do you remember what your new year's resolution was from last year i've kind of for a while i've been anti-new year's resolution oh really well yeah because i'm just like if you want to start something you should just start it regardless of the time of the year and then when you when you do it for new year's it's like if you you know go balls to the walls with it and then fuck up then you're just like (laughs) well it failed I guess I have to wait till next next new year's eve you know yes so I think that new year's resolutions can be really dangerous and not helpful I mean there's something like every gym owner knows which I mean which is truly like the like the the amount of people who sign up for gym memberships is like they they clean up during that time and then usually about three months in like every like almost everyone stops going except for the people who are already going consistently so I'm saying it can be you want something that can be sustainable. You don't want something that's like sounds amazing, but you're all like, I don't think I'm going to sustain that because then it just creates like a cycle of like a cycle of like judgment and shame. I like New Year's resolutions if for no other reason than it it does help me with like the Christmas blues thinking, oh, there's something new to look forward to and something oh, different, yeah. you know, I like but that. I, I like that. Like it, it just gives me a chance to think about renewal and how I want to make improvements. And it, it just gives me like activities and projects, which as you know, as a seven on the Enneagram, I am all about activities and projects and being very future oriented. But yeah. in all honesty, I've been thinking about, I've been like reflecting on my old New Year's resolutions and wondering, have I? any new year's resolution like ever um so the thing I was actually thinking this year one of my new year's I was thinking this year one of my new year's intentions should be to do better record keeping like actually writing things down one of the things I've been talking about with Chris Wilkins of Brazen Fit your friend and mine co-host of the deconstructing health and fitness podcast Um, One of the things I've been talking about with her is writing down my exercise routine, like actually making a plan for how I'm going to get enough movement in the day and then keeping track of it. So I actually just have this note card on the refrigerator and I have a little um, box for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I have a box for every day of the week and I just like check it off if I've done some exercise. And it's really pretty, it's pretty simple. It's not elaborate. I just change the card every week. And then whenever I've like done some exercise, I got to give myself like a little reward where I'm all like, oh, I get to write down. I went for a 20 minute walk and I get the kind of the yay, good feelings of writing it down. And then every Tuesday when I talk with Chris, I'm able to say, hey, look, this week, I actually did this, that, and the other thing. So So your New Year's resolution is to keep data. Oh my God, it is. Collect data. It's to collect data. 
My New Year's resolution is to become a data entry specialist. <laughs> One year, I really want to, to just have the New Year's resolution be something like do whatever the fuck I want. Like, give up all shoulds and give up all notion of what I'm supposed to be doing and just do things that feel good. And if I don't feel like doing them, just don't do it. But I feel well, like that I sounds a, problematic. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to need a grant in order to do that. I need to be all like, yeah, can you, can someone spot me $100,000 so I can just spend the year doing whatever I want and I'll write about it and Let's it'll be, be real. a best-selling book. You, you touched on something. Basically, you can, yes, you can be, if you're rich enough, I mean, you don't have to just be rich, but if you're rich enough, you can be a complete selfish asshole and get away with it much more easily I, than when you're poor. Good job, Trisha. New Year's resolution. <laughs> be rich as hell so you can be a selfish <laughs> asshole. <laughs> But that's the thing. I don't think that that would make me a selfish asshole. Like a lot mm -hmm. of the things I like doing are altruistic and benefit other people. Like, you know, if money weren't an option, I'd still, uh, I'd still teach poetry classes. I would just probably do it for free. And I probably wouldn't do it as often. I'd be like me once a month maybe once a week, but, but I generally speaking, I like what I'm doing right now. Good. It's just in my free time. I feel like I'm just floating around going, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Cause there's no structure to my day. That's why I love, like, I love working for a company who gives me a structure. Yes. Like I, I'm actually really thriving under, I need, oh, I love structure. <laughs> you just I, like, I, I just saw like a spot of sunlight light up your face when you talked about structure. Like you have the biggest smile. I really, I do better under structure because then it like helps me structure the rest of my life. So instead of like, well, I'd like to meditate, maybe do some exercise and stuff. I have all day. And when I have like my structured work schedule that is being enforced upon me by someone else, I'm like, oh, well... Now I can structure everything else because I only have so much time and needs to be done in this time. Yeah, absolutely. The time when my life was most structured, when I had a job and I was in graduate school and I was taking creative writing classes, that was the most productive year. I never had moments where I'm just like, what do I do now? Because I always knew what I was doing but I don't know if that necessarily made me happier or healthier. It just made me more productive. And I, yeah. I mean, and that's important to touch on is like, as, as like in American culture and in, you know, many other cultures, like being productive is everything. Like I'm productive. Yeah. I produce like that's everything, but does it actually bring you happiness? I think it's like, a, again, like that balance thing. I think there's a time, there's a fat and a lean season. There's a time for yes. being abundant and producing. And then there's a time for being quiet and still and, you know, burrowing in your little bear <sighs> cave and being all like, leave me the fuck alone. I'm a bear. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm fat on salmon and I'm enjoying my slumber. Everyone lives like a bear. Are you are you saying that to everything there is a season turn turn? Oh my god. You did know I just the quote Bible the Bible. Verse, right? I was yes. just about to say, did I quote uh, the Bible? Jinx. 
I mean, you might be quoting the Bible. I'm actually quoting a song from the 19th. Well, the, the, yeah, the first, the first thing that comes to my mind is, um, I, I love, well, Peter, Paul and Mary, but also Judy yes. Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who wrote the song was Bob Dylan. Pete Seeger. Oh, Pete Seeger. Okay. Okay. <laughs> To Everything, There Is a Season is a song written by Pete Seeger in the late 1950s and first recorded in 1959. There you go. Mm, yeah. Okay. That's a um, big good song, y'all. And it's very, very, I mean, those lyrics from the Babel, yeah. those, you know, there really is, uh, per, now I can't remember, <laughs> Purpose Under Heaven. A time to be a selfish douchebag. A time to not. (laughs) A time to wear your fucking mask. Or a time when I will kill you a thousand times in the (laughs) face because you don't deserve to have a mouth or a nose if you don't prefer it up. Getting back to New Year's resolutions, though, because I think there's talk about being analytical. There's a lot of research already done on how New Year's resolutions work and how change happens, as we know, because we've been talking about that for two years now with Chris, Chris Wilkins, Raisin Fit, Deconstructing Health and Wellness. Health Um, and fitness, damn it. Health and fitness, sorry, health and (laughs) fitness. I think one of the big takeaways from all the research I've been doing on New Year's resolutions is like make things that are small and measurable and reasonable. Um, And another big pointer that works for me really well is that you have to have some accountability. Like I am, I am so much more likely to get things done if I am accountable to someone else. If I have someone else who's going to like, oh, I don't know, like my sister make fun of me for not doing the thing that I said I was supposed to be doing. Well, I mean, I consider like the worst sin a flaky person, someone who says they're going to do something and then does not follow through. So what's your New Year's resolution again? Are you making any? My New Year's resolution is to, I guess, like it, it's what it is every year. It's like, try to not, like, try to, I keep on re- reciting over and over the Winston Churchill quote, um, perfection is the enemy of progress because I love progress. I love making progress, but I do get caught up in my obsessive perfectionism. That's like, oh, it has to be perfect before I can move on, which holds me back. It makes me feel like shit and makes me not enjoy my life. So yeah, more peace. Well, okay. Can I, um, can I offer you some structure? Cause I know you like that. Fine. Um, one of the things about any goal or change is to set small, concrete, measurable goals. So you might think about right looking at like one area where you can be less of a perfectionist. You know what? I have one. What? You know, I think that's really good. You're right. Cause just in general being like, I just want to be less of a perfectionist. That's not going to help anything. (laughs) I'm just going to generally keep that in my head. Um, You're right. So, okay. There's this thing I do. Like I, especially when I get really stressed out, when my stress goes higher, my obsessive compulsiveness gets really bad. And when I send an email, I check like, I feel like six to eight times that that email indeed sent because it's like scary to me to have like an email that you wrote up and then you accidentally forgot to send it. Um, And I, and this is like, not even just, not even just work related. Of course it's worse when it's work because then I just get more like anxious about it. But I think, um, 
I'm okay. My new year's resolution, my, my very kind of uh, practical thing I can do is when I send an email, I will check once that it's sent once. That's it. That's your new year's resolution. <laughs> you said small measurable goals. Okay. Honestly, I'm not kidding. Like when I send emails, I get really, really anxious. And I'm like, did that send check, check it sent two minutes ago. So obviously it could, it had to have sent because it says it sent two minutes ago. Oh my God. Check, check, check. I feel like the more peaceful and present I can get and the further away from this obsessive anxiety, I feel like, I feel like every single other thing in my life will improve. So it's kind of like, instead of taking on the branches, I kind of want to just go for the root system. Yeah, And so I think, I think anything I can do to help lessen anxiety and increase like wisdom perspective um, uh, tools to help me cope when I'm feeling very, very anxious and recognize it. Okay. You know, I'll just say it. Meditation. Mm -hmm. I, it's, I feel a lot of shame around meditation because I have been trying for like months and months to just do like five minutes a day, like seven days a week, but I can't even do that. I'll do like five minutes one day a week. (laughs) And so I feel like if I actually had a meditation routine, um, especially in the morning, I and I really tried to adhere to that. I actually feel like that would be, I kind of want to say, well, I definitely want to say a game changer for me. Um, but I feel like I know this and I can say this and yet like, it's like the, the thing I consider the most important for changing my life yet. I don't do it. So I feel so much shame. Like, wow. What does it say about you? Yeah. Totally understand. I think some things that might help you are finding out what motivates you the most. Like, I don't know if you, I know we both kind of sometimes listen to the happier podcast with Gretchen Rubin and her sister, Elizabeth Kraft. It's another sister podcast about self-help, but they don't use the F word nearly as much as we do. (laughs) So, you know, she has the four tendencies and she has a four tendencies quiz, which will help you understand how you can make change in your habits, change your habits and what's going to be more likely to help you like achieve goals. I know for me, just listening to the descriptions, like I know I'm an obliger. I'm much more likely to do things if I have other people counting on me to do them. So for me, if I wanted to set up a meditation routine, I would like have a meditation partner who met with me five minutes a day, or at least checked in with me five minutes a day and was like, did you meditate? Or, or was like, you know, I'll only meditate if you meditate or something like that. If I like had some other person to help me be accountable, I would be much more likely to actually do the thing. All right. I'm going to do that. Five minutes of meditation a day and check email sending once. Okay. Your turn now. So my new year's resolutions usually just wind up being like a list of goals that I have, like things I want to accomplish throughout the year. And those kinds of things are not so difficult for me to achieve if they're measurable and they're work related because I have things like accountability and I have tracking and stuff. Like I know this year, this last year, one of my goals was to send out 100 poetry submissions. And I broke that down to about 10 per month. And I know that I have all of that actually tracked and measurable because I use a system called Submittable, which tracks everything for you. That's awesome. Um, so did you did you achieve that goal? 
I looked over, I looked over my last year's worth of stuff, uh, basically because I was in a class with Kelly Grace Thomas, who co-hosts the Poetry Salon cast with me, and she told everyone to like track their progress. And so again, accountability really works well for me. Um, and I know I didn't quite reach 100, but I think I reached something like 70 and the year's not out yet. So I could do 30 more submissions in the next day, but I'm, I'm really just going to go like, Hey, that was still a pretty big improvement for me. That's um, really fucking good. Yeah. The, the fact that you're moving the needle as Chris would say, you're moving the needle. I definitely am moving the needle, but I'm not really 100% sure that that worked for me so well. Like, I'm not sure that I got more published this year than I did the years prior, because the other way that I've, I've done submissions is more like I tend to take more time to get to know a journal and submit to those journals that I just really, really like. And I'm a little more careful about what I do. So it's more quality over quantity. So uh. this year I might actually try um, doing some more quality over quantity. Like instead of trying to get a hundred submissions out, I might try to like just get out, uh, I don't know, let's go 50. That's cutting it in half, but focusing more on the quality, like really taking time to investigate the journals that I'm submitting to and get Is to there know any them better. Measurable, measurable way that you could track like oh I'm doing I'm trying to do more high quality like high quality more high quality definitely if I were to say something like I want to choose 10 journals that I feel really fit me as a writer that are likely to publish my work and like basically make a list of maybe and probably not 10 probably 30 like make a list of 30 of my specially curated dream journals because like on average you get between 10 and 30 rejections for every one acceptance. So it's like if I took the time to find 30 journals that I really, really like and want to submit to, and, um, you know, if I took all year to do that and then I just kept submitting my work to them, uh, you know, it might it might result in fewer publications, but it could also happen in there's less wasted time, I think is what I'm saying. So going with yeah. quality over quantity, but I think the overall practice for me this year is like what I said before is collecting data. What are the things you want to track? What are the things in your life you want to track? Well, so exercise. I mean, I, I could really just take this, make one new year's resolution, which is to keep track of my movement and collect the data on that. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. year, like that's probably enough of a new year's resolution. But I, I do also want to do that with some other areas of my life. But to keep it simple, that's the first one. And what I found is as far as tracking things goes, I, I really prefer analog. I really, I think that's working, why it's working so well to just have a note card on my refrigerator because mm. I have to open the refrigerator door at least once a day and usually more like 10 times a day. So it's there. There's a pen that I keep on top of the refrigerator. So it's like, I'm always ready to track it. Even if I like, yeah, you know, like if I go for a walk, in the morning, later on in the evening, when I open the refrigerator door, um, I can remember, yeah, I walked for 20 minutes this morning and I write it down. So it makes it much, much easier. If I have to like 
do analysis on my computer and open it up and get out the spreadsheet. And I'm just not going to. I'm just yeah. Not going to. Yeah. No, I totally I feel the same way. And that's why I do mine now in my bullet journal. Um, I was like going trying to go digital with it, but then I felt the same way. I'm like, I just want to like write it down and check it off. Like, why is that so hard? <laughs> so yeah, I do mine in my bullet journal. All right, cool. Well, I think that yeah. is a pretty good set of goals and a pretty yeah. good paring down and simplification. Of I'm wishing you all a uh, Feliz Navidad, a Bon Ami, a Happy New Year. Um, happy 2021, everyone. Okay, I love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.